0: I've been studying her since the sixth grade. Plotting, planning, cataloging her likes and dislikes. And now, the time is right to strike. For I am at the zenith of my studliness. Five long years, and now, finally, she's mine.
1: You still love her, huh?
0: Nope. I'm after revenge, baby. Sweet, pure, uncut revenge. That's wrong Thanks, Dad
2: Can I get it open? Whoa
3: No Man Presents Live from the Nudie Bar The Married with Children Podcast And here are your hosts Jerry, Jamie, and Al. Hey, it's the Mary with Children podcast, the show that separates us from the animals. My name is Al. Jeez, you would think podcasters have more dignity. I'm Jamie.
4: The prostitution rests. And I'm Jerry, and I was out there grabbing a pocket full
3: of life. Hey guys, yes, we are back to review one of my personal favorites. This is What Goes Around Came Around. Vowing revenge on a girl who humiliated him years ago, Bud finds out payback is a bitch. This is uh, directed by Jerry Cohen, writers Ellen L. Fogle and Ron Levin. Original air date, February 25th, nineteen ninety. Uh, This has, obviously, a huge special guest star, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. We'll get more into her as we uh, go on, so let's just get this going. Um, But before we do, obviously, uh, you heard the intros, and Jerry, you are here today. And for the foreseeable near future?
4: Uh, Until Dan finally finds Jefferson, it seems like. (laughs) He's out there searching.
3: Yeah. Uh, Dan is uh, He's unable to be on the next couple of episodes. Uh, he should be back on shortly, um, but definitely not for the next, uh, you know, two, three, four, five, whatever. Not really sure, but uh, Jerry is so kind to say, guys, if you need me, I'll be there. So, wow, yeah, we did the Steve special, and now here we are again.
4: Yeah, it's like... I recorded with y'all and then forced y'all to let me come back on the show and kidnap Dan and,
3: you know. Yeah, it's like what goes around came around.
4: Yeah, seems like it.
3: (laughs) That's weird. So, uh, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, We'll mix it up a little bit. Um, uh, Of course, we miss Dan and hope he comes back soon. And so let's start reviewing this episode.
2: Hi, Peg. you must have misunderstood me this morning I said you should buy a vegetable
5: (laughs) gee and I guess I must have misunderstood you last night when you said brace yourself this time it's gonna be good
3: Peg Peg alluded to having sex last night because she said that Al said brace yourself it's gonna be good this time but I don't feel that that is a strong enough case to add a sex point to Peg's uh, tally do you guys uh, but I, I, I agree with you.
6: Yeah, and either way, even if it did happen, it's off episode, so,
3: hmm. right. you know. True. So, yep, sorry, Peg. Any mail?
5: Oh, yeah. Something did come today. Let's see, what did it say? Uh, open immediately, urgent, do not delay, something like that. <laughs> Gee, what could it be? <laughs> oh,
7: <laughs> here it is.
2: Oh, good. Uh, Those ashes from Sharper Image I ordered, Ken.
3: Like, peg everything on Earth, and she has to pick the letter that came in the mail for Al to use as an ashtray. She's just...
6: Why
4: would you pick something flammable
3: (laughs) to be your ashtray?
6: I don't know why she doesn't just use an ashtray. (laughs) I mean, you know...
3: If you guys notice too, they really went heavy on the whole smoking thing with Peg, like making her look like trash. Yeah,
4: they have that big cigarette joke later on th- that I find really funny. Right. But um yeah, I think they're really trying to push the cigarettes equal
3: lower class. Yeah, like they every time you see like when Al comes in the door this time, she kind of looks like trash just sitting there with the cigarette, and then he comes in again, she's smoking in that purple outfit. And then when she's, like, dancing later with a cigarette in her mouth and the smoke just filling around her head and she's dancing all weird and trashy-looking, and then it just keeps going with the cigarette thing. It's really kind of strange. They really kind of, uh, really focused on that, this episode. That was pretty funny.
2: Hey, this is from Polk High School. What could they be writing to me about it for all these years?
5: Well, maybe they've retired your stall in the boys' bathroom.
8: (laughs)
2: hot-diggity-dog-diggity-boom what you do to me. Hey, look. They want me to introduce the football team's MVP at the homecoming dance Friday night. We're seeking one of the great football heroes of the Chicago land area. That's why we've asked you, Mr. Gale Sayers. No, that's crossed out. Mr. Jim McMahon, crossed out. Mr. Walter Payton, Mr. Mike Singletary, Mr. Abe Vigoda, all crossed out. Ah, here we go. Mr. Alf Bundy. They still remember. Oh, Alf.
3: They're not very like uh, professional when they send this letter to Al. They they seem to have every name they really wanted on there and just cross them out and kept adding to it or something like I don't even know how that looked on paper I want
4: to know yeah I want to know like did they get the letter back and (laughs) they just like rewrote on it or did they just print it out and then just write another name (laughs) like but and how would that work because wouldn't it already be in the paragraph like right (laughs) I want to know what the letter looked like
3: yeah how could this really be how could this work I don't know so, basically, every name that you hear, gail Sayers, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, Mike Singletary, all played for the Chicago Bears. And it's Chicago, so that's why uh, I guess they're implying they went to Polk or just they wanted some famous uh, Chicago athlete or whatever. Um, except for Abe Vigoda.
6: Yeah, that's... Was I... he a former football player that I did? And, I mean, maybe he was, and I'm just not familiar with... No, maybe I mean he, he was, was in, a football player before he was an actor. He was I I I know he's in the
4: he's in Godfather and uh he's and they reference Godfather in next season, I think. Other than that, I can't really think of anything.
3: Right.
6: I mean he was in Fish. I didn't know if maybe like before he acted, like when he was like in college or something, maybe he was a college before we ask him, you know.
4: Yeah, someone that's not even a football player. Just that could just be a really like far out there joke to be like so absurd it's funny.
3: Right. Yeah, I really didn't do any research on that, but uh one guy that we know a lot about is Alf Bundy.
8: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alf. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to be afraid that that was his real name and Al was just his name for short.
6: Oh, Alf. <laughs>
3: So uh, he's all – because he seems very uh, touched that they remember him. He didn't seem bothered by the wrong name. So we get to the high school, and the high school looks different than it did in uh, Mila Jovovich's big episode, right?
4: That it does. It, uh, it's a bit more open. Hmm. Though I guess we could just be in a different part of the high school.
6: Yeah, it's got that random locker grouping in the middle of the hall, right. which
3: is weird. It's very weird. Yeah, Fair Exchange, it was definitely a different area of the of the high school. And and that locker is so weird, but it obviously comes into play, so it works. But they keep just staying there. It's, apparently, everything centers around those lockers.
4: You know what I couldn't figure out? Why they chose to write Slughead on the locker.
3: <laughs> Did they?
4: Yeah, on the locker, it says Slughead. And I can't, like, you would think they would have made, like, because of the upcoming underwear joke that's about to happen, and do something like that since it's close to Bud's locker, but they wrote Slughead. Wow. Which is the weirdest insult I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, it depends what you're talking about, I guess. No, I mean, if you called me a Slughead, I wouldn't even be offended. I would just be confused.
3: Right. Well Marcy <laughs> comes up with duty face or duty head, something for Steve, so yeah, they're not really too good at insults. What did Peg call that midget guy who it was like the worst insult? Oh what do you a
6: nose rag?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not that amazing at insults here.
6: <laughs> and I bet they're gonna want to hear a
2: little speech. You know, I've got much to say to America's youth. If I could just help one kid, not marry, my job is done. <laughs>
3: So, like uh, like we joked about earlier in the intros, you hear all these, like, guys, hound sounds, like, you know, oh, oh, for Kelly when she walks in. And it turns out it was a science teacher, not a bunch of young guys in the hallway.
4: That was a fantastic joke, because I did not, like, because I was confused why, Ke- at first, like, when Kelly came out there and looked like she was bothered, I was like,
3: why would she be bothered? Isn't she used to this? Right. <laughs> She's being harassed by a science teacher. Keep it classy.
1: think a science teacher would have more dignity so gnome everyone's gonna be at the homecoming dance where are you gonna be
0: hey I'll be there with a date
1: oh who's gonna be the girl this year you or Joey
0: <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, one over easy
1: I got me a hot date
0: Heather McCoy
1: Heather McCoy the one you were in love with in sixth grade
6: the one who took you skinny dipping, stole your clothes, then ran your underwear up a flagpole? <laughs> yup. Anyway, uh, does this not remind you guys of that episode of Friends where with Julia Roberts? I have seen a lot of Friends. Yeah, but
4: not that one. But I, I can't, I don't, there's not many episodes I can place by guest star besides like Brad Pitt in a Thanksgiving episode.
6: Mm. Oh man. Well, there's this great, it's
4: actually a pretty funny episode,
6: but all right, this is when, this is after Ross had the monkey. They find out that Marcel That's the way
4: you describe a series. It's after the monkey came in. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay, I know where we are. Go ahead.
6: They find out that Marcel is working on Outbreak 2. And like he's the he's the monkey in the sequel to Outbreak. So they go to the set so that Ross can visit him. Jean-Claude Van Damme is also in oh, this whole thing. Wow. But um anyway that Julia they run into Julia Roberts who is working on the film and not as Julia Roberts she's like a she's a behind the scenes person and Chandler went to high school with this girl and at one point he pulled up her skirt and showed her underpants and so she was she was Susie underpants all the way through school and then anyway so she like hooks up with him he thinks that she forgives him for that and they go on a date and then she exacts her revenge. And that's the whole time I was thinking about that episode of Friends while I'm watching this. And I'm like, you know what? They did this first. And I really like this episode. Now that's a good episode of Friends, but I actually think this is a little bit better. Nice. Wow, but, uh, Friends. Jamie just busted you. Whoever's doing <laughs> a <the> Friends podcast <laughs> out there,
4: Jamie's calling you out. Shots fired.
6: Yeah, and I love Friends. I do. I'm, I was a devoted friend follower back in the day but i
4: um, i will say i love chandler i do too that was my dude i
3: like the guy who's always on drugs in real life yeah chandler chandler oh yeah yeah Yeah, that's what i like (laughs) perry
6: matthew perry
3: yeah i like when he lost weight and he looked all weird and then yeah it's cool
6: yeah then he got fat then he got skinny then he got fat then he got skinny and but But you know what he always had he
0: always had my heart (laughs)
6: As it happens, Heather is quite taken
0: with me.
1: Why would someone as popular as Heather McCoy want to go out with someone as popular as I Snot? <laughs> hush,
0: hush, sweet Harlot. Here she comes.
1: Hi, Bud, Are we song for the dance Friday?
0: I shall drink in your beauty as the bee does the nectar of the flower.
1: <laughs> Isn't he a dream? <laughs>
3: Well, uh, so Tiffany Amber Thiessen walks in. Yeah, and wow. So it's 1990. Um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was uh, not a megastar at the moment. It, this was all just starting out. She was in Good Morning, Miss Bliss. That was like Saved by the Bell before it was Say by the Bell. And as I'm looking through IMDb, and that started in 89, but I'm looking at IMDb. She was in this thing called Who Shrunk Saturday Morning, a TV movie, as Kelly Kapowski. So that, I don't even know what that is. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got to find that now. Uh, she was in Charles in Charge as Jennifer. So those are the only two real things and uh, something in 89 also. But uh, then it was this uh, Married with Children episode. As a kid, this was always amazing to me because I was a huge say by the Bell fan, like – That was the greatest show on earth when I was uh, like 10 years old and 11 and 12. Like that was the greatest thing in the world. And um, Married with Children, I pretty much discovered these both at the same time. So it was so cool to see her in both things and being who she is here, like a bad girl because she's like the polar opposite in Saved by the Bell. She's nothing but a goody too, but not in a bad way. She's not annoying or anything on Saved by the Bell. She, she was just like everything to me. And I never even realized that until – and Jamie, you'll like this – is when she moved on to 90210 because I'll never forget. It was like around the time Kurt Cobain killed himself and I was in this guy's room and we we're playing like heavy metal records and stuff and talking about Cobain and all that. So then this guy's sister comes upstairs and she's like, hey, so – that girl from Saved by the Bell is going to be on 90210. And that you know was a big deal to me because I liked Saved by the Bell. So I just like didn't know what she was talking about. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, that girl Kelly is going to be on 90210. And I was like, really? So like I didn't really like 90210. Those first four years with Brenda, I didn't like that show that much. I thought it was kind of dumb. But I had to watch for when Tiffany Amber Thiessen came on. And from that moment on that was my jam because she was, like, the coolest character ever. Like, she was a complete badass. She was, like, ten times worse than Heather McCoy. So it was cool to see, like, a, a preamble to what she's capable of in this little tidbit of an episode here.
6: You must have gone back and retconned all those first seasons of 90210, though, because you, you know a lot about it when we talk about it.
3: The first four seasons? Yeah. Well, I know like broad strokes, like when that kid shot okay. himself and, and Dylan, um, when his dad died and stuff. But I don't really know. No, everything, every real thing I say to you is always from season five and on. Oh, okay. Yeah.
6: Well, it doesn't show. Um, but I was really excited because I was, I kind of watched Saved by the Bell. To me, it's kind of funny because Saved by the Bell was always like, um, the equate version of 90210 to me it was like 90210 light
3: well it was it was a younger 90210 well they were in high school i guess but
6: yeah i mean well and they had like they were basically running concurrently i mean they had yeah, yeah. um like the graduation i think was the same year mm-hmm. although what's weird is that um in 902 in 90210 they basically did 10th grade twice um because when it started, they were a year ahead of me, and then somehow we ended up graduating at the same time. So, whatever. Um, oh, well, they had
3: that those summer episodes. I know that. Maybe that threw it off. Remember?
6: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but she came on to 90210. I thought, that is like the ultimate crossover. Yeah. Of these two very popular high school shows. I'm like, that is really cool. And, of course, she you know looked vastly different, too. When she left uh, Saved by the Bell and then came over to Nine Hundred Two and 90210, she had... Like she had cut her hair. Yeah. Um, I still thought she was really cute. Um, but I remember, I will never forget hearing a guy on the radio refer to her as the round face girl when she went to 90210.
3: Yeah. She had major issues with the producers and her weight. They were unhappy with her weight on that show.
6: Which, honestly, I just thought, I thought she looked great. I thought she was gorgeous. And to me, she just filled out. Right. You know, she was curvy, but I never thought she was fat.
3: I'm. Yeah, that never occurred to me. Well, here, here's the thing. If you were into Say by the Bell more, you would have seen, so she did this thing where they came back. She was pretty loyal to Say by the Bell. She even came back from 93 to 94 for the college years.
6: Yeah, I did actually watch some
3: of that, too. Yeah, and her hair was, like, medium length, and then when she got to now 2 and oh, she cut it even shorter, but if you saw The Wedding in Las Vegas, it was like a TV movie, she had her hair like she was as Valerie, so it wouldn't have been as jarring to you, but I, you know, I, I went through the whole thing, because I, I became, like, she was my girl, like, um... You know, if everybody has like a girl that they're obsessed with, like you know, guys in the fifties it was like Marilyn Monroe or whatever. Then in the eighties it was like Phoebe Cates, and in the nineties it was like Pamela Anderson. In the two thousands it was Jennifer Lopez, who I became obsessed with too. But to me, like this was my girl, and this was like the girl I was obsessed with. Like
6: I'm right there with you. Like I told, I wanted to be her. Like I thought she was the most drop dead gorgeous thing. She was so, so beautiful and. It's just I would be mesmerized by her, and she and Zach were the only two reasons I ever watched Save by the Bell when I did, because I had a thing for preppy guys back then. So I was like Zach; I was all over Zach. Mm-hmm. Slater got on my nerves. I first of all, what what is up with those weightlifting pants? My God,
3: <laughs> the pants that went up to his under his nipples
6: and yes, yeah.
3: straps going across them.
6: And I just, I don't like overly muscular guys. Like, I just, it just wasn't...
3: It hey, Cherry, you're in luck. Jesse I was a,
6: Jesse was annoying. Um I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> Overall, I just think the show was way too cheesy. And so, but when I did watch it, okay, and I would watch it some, it was... For Zach and and definitely for Kelly, and so then yeah, when she came to nine hundred two and oh, I was I was like yeah, and then this this Tiffany Ambertheson looks exactly like Kelly. Like this is oh yeah. when she comes when she comes walking on to the set here, she is basically Kelly Kapowski.
3: Yeah, there were three big Kellys in the nineties, uh, like mega star Kellys. It was Kelly Bundy, uh, Kelly Kapowski, and Kelly Taylor on nine hundred two and oh, so that's weird. Right. they all had a kelly and and like the one kelly, kelly,
6: kelly yeah kelly, one kelly, kelly went kelly.
3: to another kelly show it was, it was just like a weird thing but...
6: k-e-l-l-y <laughs> why that's a cheers reference oh. <laughs> <laughs> woody harrelson sang that song on cheers to his butterheaded toe ball if anybody remembers that
3: well bud uh has a plenty of corny <laughs> lines <laughs> Uh, that he threw out to Marcy when he was trying to pick her up. But none were as corny as, like a hot chick like Heather McCoy walks up to you and she says, are you excited about the dance? And he says, I'm going to drink in your beauty as the bee does to the nectar of the flower.
4: I thought it was weird until afterwards when he was like, I've been studying her for five years. I'm like, oh, maybe she's really into poetry. And that's how he got her.
3: Yeah, I guess.
1: How did you do that?
0: Research. I've been studying her since the sixth grade. Plotting, planning, cataloging her likes and dislikes. And now, the time is right to strike. For I am at the zenith of my studliness. Five long years, and now, finally, she's mine.
1: You still love her, huh?
0: Nope. I'm after revenge, baby. (laughs) Sweet, pure, uncut
1: revenge. Why bother? I mean, that was five years ago. Nobody remembers your underwear up on a flagpole.
0: I I pledge allegiance to to the underwear of the United United Shorts of Bud Bundy. Bundy.
3: (laughs) So there's only 73 more to go after they're done, I guess. Because he said 75 kids do that a day. Do you know why
4: they chose 75? 75. This is the 75th episode of Married with Children.
3: Well, there you go. We just released our 75th Married with Children podcast, official uh, 75th episode last week with You Gotta Know When to Hold Part 2, which goes to show you that we never really got ahead from anything we ever did when we ever reviewed the two-parters as one big episode. uh, No, I guess because we did the Terry Ricolta special. We did the season wrap-up shows and things like that. We did the Marcy interview. So, yeah, for all we did to get ahead, we're right back exactly on pace. We're actually one episode early. That's about it. So, wow. Yeah, this is our 76th uh, podcast episode. And that doesn't include all the new Patreon exclusives. With those, we have a bunch of video commentaries, season four wrap-up show, the Steve special, things like that. So, uh but as official public releases, yeah, we're on show seventy-six now. So wow, it's the seventy-fifth episode this one is, huh? Good, I'm glad because it's a big one with Tiffany Amber Thiessen, man. That's what it said when I was looking up trivia.
4: It said do 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 where is it? Um wow. But it says that seventy-five kids tease him every day about Heather humiliating him in sixth grade. This might be a reference to this being the seventy-fifth episode. Hmm. Now, I don't know if it's a seventy-fifth episode like filmed production-wise yeah, right. or released, but yeah, it's interesting.
3: It's weird, though. In Bundiology, they even got the name of this episode wrong. I got it wrong earlier, but I corrected myself before you guys heard me, but they, they think the name of this episode is What Goes Around Comes Around, and then they say it's a saying. That's the meaning of it. But in everywhere else you read, including IMDb, it's What Goes Around Came Around, and that's even in... The uh, official Sony release that I'm looking at. I don't know if the Mill Creek one, I don't even know where that is here, but...
4: Came around, it makes more sense with it, because it's what comes around, came around What? but what happened to Bud came back to him and happened to him again.
3: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, there you go.
0: Phase two comes Friday. We dance. She's looking up at me engulfed in the cool that is I. <laughs> and then ten o'clock sharp. I dance her over to the big floor vent, which by Friday will be set on a timer, and at precisely ten, an industrial fan whooshes through the vent, like dad on a baloney bender, (laughs) and blows her dress up, and the world will see her underwear. Revenge! Revenge!
3: (laughs) I don't know, when you're like one of the hottest chicks walking the planet, it just doesn't seem like that bad of a thing to happen and most girls show that much skin at the beach and stuff i guess the whole the most embarrassing part of this would just be that it's her underwear and she doesn't want like every guy in the school looking at that right
4: i guess yeah. you know, there's a chance she's wearing like special underwear because it's a dance or because it's under a dress maybe
3: she's not wearing any oh yeah that'd be nice oh no i mean yeah she's 16 never mind <laughs>
6: What I love is that giant grate in the middle of the gymnasium floor because every gym has that. I was going to, like, the two things that made no sense about
4: this gym, (laughs) A, Peggy could smoke cigarettes in it, (sighs) and B, there is a grate in the middle of the floor. How do they play basketball?
6: Exactly.
3: That grate is obviously just a rubber, uh, like, mat that has all the squares cut out in the middle. There's no way that that's, that's a real grate. It, it number one, why would it be there? When do you ever need air to blow up from a floor? I mean, maybe, it, like, when Marilyn... This whole thing is about, like, the Marilyn Monroe thing, obviously. When she stood on a grate, and, and it was in the city, though, on a sidewalk. And if a train goes underneath, the, the air could just, like, blow up. And I guess that's what happened to her, right? In the uh, 1954 movie, The Seven-Year Itch...
6: Yes, yeah, the subway was going underneath.
3: Right. So that's what this is all like a loose reference to. Yeah. So Bud and Heather McCoy were both born in 1974, so they're both 16, you know, like I said she was earlier. So just be careful what you say here about her.
4: I guess girls really do mature faster than guys because she she looks much older than Bud. And I remember when I was in high school, like, most of the chicks looked older than I looked. I mean, I've always looked really young, so that's always been a problem for me. It, in high school, you r- really start noticing it. Yeah, man, the insults between
3: Bud and Kelly during that scene was fantastic. Yeah, they just they just exchanged this so fluidly. Like no nobody really reacts. They just roll their eyes or gaze at the other one, and and that anger gaze. Or whatever. It just rolls off their back. They're not even affected by this. And I do want to get into the relationship with Bud and Kelly. I think it it went a long way in this episode. Um, Not just because of the obvious ending either. I mean like throughout the whole thing. So like I said. The second time Al comes home. Peg is looking like a buffoon. A trashy weirdo. Sitting on a couch. Watching TV yet again. And he must feel like he's in Groundhog Day. And he can't help but like bring it up and insult her.
2: Tonight at 8 What's black and white and funny all over? Gary Coleman and Ned Beatty are Ethan and the Jackal (laughs) Two wrongly fired Harvard professors Who love the classics and hate crime Come watch us now Whoa (laughs) Hi Peggy Gee, you know, I was thinking Maybe I ought to take a picture Of your behind then that way, if the couch was ever stolen, the police could match the prince with at least one of the cushions. That's a pretty
4: good joke, actually. Like, at first I was like... I like that one. I was like, that is so dumb that it works. It, it, it's perfect.
5: Oh, come on, Al. You know you love your honey buns. Remember? You used to rub them every night before you went to sleep.
2: Yeah, but it's just that I hate to go to sleep with the smell of feet
3: on my hands. And he says that was just to get the smell of feet off of his hands. Like, how about a shower?
4: (laughs) No, he doesn't do that. Yeah. All right,
2: now be quiet. Let me work on my speech here.
5: Look, Al, all they want you to do is to announce this year's MVP and then slink off into the shadows of obscurity where you belong.
2: (laughs) It's just killing you that someone remembers me, isn't it? This, this someone thinks of me as, as more than just a shoe salesman, or the, the family wallet, the, the running joke at the beauty parlor. <laughs> These people want me because I'm a genuine football hero. Um, Al stumbles over another line. And they're probably going to want to see some mementos, too. Where's my old football helmet?
3: No big deal, and it's live, it's tough. I don't think I could remember, like, three sentences in a row if I was doing this, so...
0: Dad, when you were in school, did a girl ever do something to you... Something so rotten that it actually ruined your whole life?
2: Yes, and you call that girl mom now.
0: (laughs) Well, what if she didn't actually marry me, but still did something real bad? I mean, if you were going to get revenge, that wouldn't be wrong, would it? Man, I love this exchange. I love Al connecting
4: with his child on something. Like, there's a moment in the series where, um, it comes later on where they all go to the movies, and, like, a boyfriend of Kelly's is making out with another chick and Kelly asks Al to just go beat him up and he goes, like, just knocks him out. Mm -hmm. And then comes, sits back, and it's just this, like, wonderful, wholesome moment. (laughs) And with Married with Children, that's the kind of wholesome moment you get. It's always something slightly anti-wholesome that's their wholesome. And in this one, it's getting sweet, sweet revenge.
3: Yeah, it's weird. I don't... You know how we all like it when they they bond, and we're all sort of bummed when nobody cares that Al's going to prison and stuff. It's weird. I like it when they bond, but I like it when they bond over kind of disturbing things, like you said, beating up this teenage boy in a movie theater, or you know, beating up people in a park or whatever, or on the highway, or, you know, I like that kind of bonding, and even in this episode, the way Bud and Kelly bond, it is a badass way to do it. It's not like some nice wholesome thing and it's the best kind because although you want that kind of thing with all them you want it in this fashion
2: son let me tell you something about revenge now this is something that you're going to have to learn before you can truly call yourself a man revenge is great (laughs) it's phenomenal it's the only thing that separates us from the animals. It's why I stay with your mother. Now, son, if you have a chance to get back at a girl who has wronged you, do it. Do it now, do it good, do it twice. There'll be many women in your life, son, but the one you got revenge on will always be the sweetest of them all. <laughs>
6: And I love the hug. Right. There was a hug. And I'm like, wow. And then later on, we get Al conking the dude on the head.
3: Right. And that's great. It's sick and it's great.
6: That's <laughs> him, like, taking up for Peggy, you know, like, or more like pissing around the perimeter. But <laughs> uh, yeah, however you want to look at it, I thought it was sweet. And then, um, and of course... Kelly and Bud. Like, this episode is chock full of them looking out for each other in various ways, and that is the kind of episode that I really love.
4: You know who's the only person in this episode who does nothing, like, for the family? Peggy. Peggy. She doesn't do anything in this episode. Like, everyone kind of does something nice for someone else in the family. Right. Except for Peggy. Even Buck does something. Yeah, even Buck gets in on it. (laughs)
3: Like, everyone but Peg. Pretty amazing. She truly is the Queen of Selfish. Yeah. Yeah, Al says some pretty interesting things. Revenge is the only thing that separates us from the animals. Like, right there, you're starting to hang with him because it makes sense. It's not just him being kind of dumb or whatever. Like, it's actually good advice. He, he does pretty good advice most of the time, but uh, sometimes it's just way out there for comedy. But that was kind of interesting. And then he says it's the reason he stays with Peg. And he alluded to that, and it's, one, it's a Bundyful life, remember? He wanted to live again because after all they'd done to him, do you think I'm going to let them you know, be happy and, and not be alive, remember? Yep. He is holding true to character, even in a passing conversation with Bud. And I just love the enthusiasm, do it now, do it good, do it twice. And he goes, there will be many women in your life, but the one you got revenge on will always be the sweetest of them all. And that's when they hug, and then he says, "Humiliator for me, son." And then they have that like look at each other, and it's like they're finally bonding in the best of ways, <laughs> to me. I, I like his, I like his husband, father, speaker, how to do it all. So the only thing Peg was able to find, the only memento of Al's, was his athletic supporter. Xs.
6: If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter.
3: Yeah, Greece. Good movie.
9: Hi. Hope I'm not interrupting anything. I just wanted you to know I'm holding up well after being deserted by my husband. What was his name? Oh yes, Duty Face. Anyway, I know you're concerned despite the fact that you haven't called or stopped by or even veered to the left when I was lying in your driveway. Well, Marcy, it's it's not that we don't care. It's just that
5: the McNuggets were getting cold.
9: <laughs> oh, well, no one could expect you to care about a friend when you've got a greasy bag of fried vittles a-coolin'.
4: <laughs> to be fair, I understand Peggy here, because cold McNuggets are not that great. They, they need to be warm, so I,
3: I, I back Peggy on this one. Yeah, microwave nuggets are the worst.
4: Yeah, I don't want to do that. I mean, I've already lowered myself to eating McDonald's chicken nuggets when Wendy's clearly has the best chicken nuggets. look at him throwing in his little personal things. I will
3: fight people over (laughs) who has the best chicken nuggets. Okay, let's do it right now. Ready? Real quick. Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, and is there a fourth major one or no? Uh,
4: A lot of people say Chick-fil-A, but I disqualify them because they're not open on Sundays.
6: I was about to say Chick-fil-A, man. I will walk a a mile for Chick-fil-A.
3: And just for the record, Jerry would walk a mile to kiss a reptile. (laughs) I would. I walked a mile to Bosco's funeral.
6: (laughs) I don't think Chick-fil-A counts anyway because they are by far, they supersede everything fast food. So it's really not fair to put them in that category.
4: But if you get the Wendy's chicken nuggets and creamy sriracha dipping sauce... And I just recently found out that creamy dipping, the creamy sriracha sauce, because I normally don't use any sauce. Wendy's chicken nuggets are so good, they don't need sauce. But I recently had the creamy sriracha
3: sauce, and it's the truth. Well, hey, why is Marcy laying down in the Bundy's driveway? Uh, Uh,
6: Maybe trying to get attention. Like, you know, if I lay here, they'll have to stop and talk to me.
3: (laughs) So, what does that mean that she parked over Marcy? If she didn't even veer? Well, that's
6: what I was trying to figure out. like, If she didn't veer to the left, then she either ran over you <laughs> or <laughs> what?
3: Maybe Marcy I mean, moved at
4: the
6: last minute. That's true. She probably just rolled out of the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's. I wish I could have seen that.
9: But to answer the question, how's she doing now? The answer is she's doing fine. The crisis is over. No more sitting at home for me. Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to go out there and grab me a pocket full of life. I'm going to go. I'm going to do. I'm going to experience everything this bowl of cherries we call life has to offer. So watch out, world. Here comes Marcy Rhodes. (laughs) So what you doing?
3: So yeah, it's so funny, like the whole idea that, and how corny Marcy is and how desperate she is. She's like, you know, so to the, the answer to how she's doing, she's doing fine. It's like the corniest thing ever. I love it. It's such a good
4: catch line. It won. It look that is the most 90th catch line I've ever heard. <coughs> and marcy looks very not like it's already 1990 but she already is starting to look very 90s lesbian so the look and that catchphrase i am fully
3: like ready for
4: the 90s now
3: the crisis is over like it's like she had this whole thing planned out in her head which is proven because she like repeats it later it just it's perfect the the deli- some people in this episode do really <clears throat> incredible delivery to the material they were given, and this is one of them. This is one of the best scenes she has done um, since since the show started. Someone needs to make a motivational poster
4: of that smiling face she has and the grab a pocket full of life.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna go and grab a pocket full of life. Like, could these be? what you go like a, a book of corny sayings? Like, what? How could you have said all that stuff in that short amount of time? I feel like a drug
4: dealer would come up and say that to me. Hey, I got a pocket full of life over here. Or an Alanis
3: Morissette song.
4: Or an Alanis Morissette. You know what? You're right. And I love Alanis Morissette.
3: I've got one hand in my pocket and the other one's grabbing life. (laughs) (laughs) Grabbing (laughs) life. So, so I love how she does all this enthusiastic delivery to, to get the reaction she gets from both of them. Nothing. And then she immediately loses it to
4: go.
2: Can I go? I'm so alone. Throw a dog a bone,
4: which is funny. Cause she just got called a dog like
2: two episodes ago. I'm trying to write a speech for the homecoming at the high school dance tomorrow night.
9: <gasps> Can I go? Uh. I'm so alone. Please. (laughs) Just some sort of human contact. A voice other than my own. Oh, please, God, throw a dog a bone.
5: (laughs) Oh, Al. My heart goes out to her. We should let Marcy come. She can buy gas and dinner afterwards.
2: (laughs) Oh, all right. Look, as long as I got you here, let me try a little something out on you. Now, in my speech, I'm using a visual aid to... Point out to the students the pitfalls in life. This is your brain. This is your brain on marriage. Any questions?
3: And it's an egg. He slams the egg down, and of course, do I really have to tell anyone? I I guess if you're young, you you didn't see this, but there used to be commercials where they would try to get you to stop doing drugs. There was a bunch of those. They stopped doing them. I guess they just gave up and realized people just want to get high or something. But they used to have commercials. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yeah, listen, nobody cares, guys. Everyone does drugs. Rachel Lee Cook did one. Yeah, so they used to they used to have a frying pan and they used to say this is your brain. They held the egg. This is your brain on drugs and drop it in and fry it as if,
2: you know. Okay, last time. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions?
4: The greatest part about this scene for me is, uh, I like, uh, if you remember, I watch them on my PS4, and my PS4 will do closed captioning. And so it goes, this is your brain. This is your brain on marriage. S- the sound effect that shows up is splat. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it just, it. I choked on a miniature Reese's cup that I was eating. Man, I was watching
3: on PS4. I should have put that on.
4: Yeah, you really should cuz it's actually pretty interesting cuz they change how Marcy is spelled randomly.
3: Oh, M A R C I I E or whatever.
4: Yeah. So they like it is just it's interesting and sometimes uh, she says something in this episode that's really weird but I forgot to write it down cuz I just didn't understand what it was supposed to be and I thought it was a like mistake. Hmm. I'll have to go back and look at what it was. It's in this scene. Oh. Uh. She was her answer when she's talking when about the chicken nuggets. Her reply back to the chicken nuggets is this really weird word. I don't know. I'm gonna have vittles? to like a, take a, a picture. A bag of fried,
6: a bag of fried vittles. Like that.
4: That's what it was. It was vittles, and I didn't know what that was. You don't know what vittles are? No, I don't know what vittles are. Our dynasty. I don't know why you brought <laughs> me back on this
3: show.
6: You're <laughs> to be honest. Wait a minute though. But that's that. You're southern.
3: I know. Cherry, you, you don't know everything. How much are we paying you for this?
6: No, 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 no. Don't even know. Whitewash it. This is not an example of you don't have
3: to know everything. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. So, go <laughs> ahead. Right, tell him why he should know this.
6: Is it, well, because do you know what vittles are?
3: I'm sorry. I never heard that before.
6: Are you kidding me? Did
3: well, he's from New Jersey. Never... He at least has an excuse. Did you I don't.
6: people never watch Beverly Hillbillies? At the very least, they would, that you would have gotten it from that. But anyway, whatever. Anyway, it's food. It's hillbilly for food, you know? I used
4: to watch it and son in law back to back.
6: We're going to have some vittles.
3: Interesting. I never, see, you learn something new every day on this show. Also, son <laughs> in law is my favorite
4: thing that uh, Tiffany's ever been in. But that's the other guy, too, right? Didn't you mention that with. Uh...
3: Polly that's... Shore, yeah, who's also been on this show.
6: That's a tie in.
3: Wow. Bam. Look at me. Tie-ins galore, guys. Once again, to answer the question how she's doing, she's doing fine. That's what two women at the dance learn. Because, <laughs> you know, they care. Why does she start dancing with a high school girl? Oh, no, that's like uh, a middle-aged woman, I thought. you
4: th- I thought it was a high school girl. Jamie, what do you think? I thought they were like teachers the blonde, or the, something. I thought, I thought the old the brown-haired one looked like it, but the blonde one she was dancing one, I thought looked like
6: a high school girl. Well, at first when she was talking to them, I thought she had cornered a couple of high school girls, but then I assumed they were probably teachers. I but then it I didn't put any thought into it beyond that. So I don't know.
3: <laughs> wow, I guess I should have paid attention more. I thought they were older women.
6: Hmm, I thought they were high school girls.
4: That's how did we both see the complete opposite there? <laughs> I mean, it's not like we have high definition, which Mill Creek, this is why we need it on Blue Ray, so we or can tell. Rural.
3: Oh God! was the dress blue or white? yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we we i is always saw it as they were like the same age as Marcy. That's weird uh, so that that's a whole nother twist I, if there if yeah, and Marcy being a lesbian in real life, it was funny to watch her. Do you think that was like a nod to her being a lesbian her dancing I mean, not that it made out or anything
6: was she outed to the I show don't at this point? no, if she was
4: outed in ninety. I don't remember when that happened. We're probably looking too deep in that. They probably just didn't want her to dance with a guy because it makes her seem more lonely if she's dancing with a girl.
6: That's true. I mean, that's what I assumed. I mean, honestly, it was just that it was just looks kind of pathetic.
3: She publicly announced that she was a lesbian in 93. So if if that was a nod, it was a secret inside joke. Yeah, so I don't think it was a
4: nod. I think it was more of the joke of to look she look lonelier because doesn't she say something? Or no, that was in the um, was it in the Las Vegas episode where she talks about how
3: she can't get a man? She said she hates men. I don't know if that was a nod to her lesbianism, but like I think she said, if I hate men, but if you get me drunk, I'm yours. I was talking
4: more. Okay, so I'm going along with the joke that she that in this episode she's dancing with a woman because she can't get a
3: man, and that's the joke. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, I don't think it was a nod. I I don't think they're looking to do that just yet. So, like I said, Peg looks like absolute trash. The way she's just moving around, the smoke billowing over her head in her face and that oddly like magenta polka dot and she's wearing a skirt which is odd for her. You don't really see that too often.
4: She looks You know what's funny on IMDb? That's the only bit of trivia.
8: What's that that like? this is
4: a rare opportunity to see Peggy in a skirt. Oh, wow. Which I thought was just odd. Uh, but I was like, You know what she looks like? She looks like that New Jersey Italian housewife. Or <laughs> Teresa something? That's, like, that's what she remind Like the big hair, the gaudy clothes, the smoking.
3: Yeah, it's not... It's
6: like she fell out of married to the mob.
3: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, um... So Al gets a horrible introduction for his speech. I mean.
6: Students and fellow homecomingers, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. I was hoping
4: to introduce someone famous or even interesting. (laughs) Instead, I give you Al Bundy. Hulk High's most valuable player of 1966.
3: So that's uh, something to log into your, like, uh, Al Bundy football legend, you know? Like, we could piece it all together by the end of the whole thing, his, everything that went on. Um, so, yeah, Al just comes out as if he didn't even hear the insult that, uh, that introduced him onto the stage. Mr. Bundy? <laughs> Thank you uh and right away he starts with your brain on drugs he's very
4: nervous like he knocks the mic off he's he's not doing well
3: Mm -mm. nope you know he's practiced all this time and now he's in front of people and he so bud walks in with heather mccoy in a light airy blue dress yellow dress it was it was gold it was yellow like a goldish yellow and white right
6: Yes, that's what it was, Yanni. No, it was blue and black.
3: (laughs) So Kelly walks in in a nice, tight red dress. And I can say whatever I want now. And so could you, Jerry? I knew I came back for a good reason. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't get out of your system yet. Yeah,
4: I held it in during the Rock and Roll Girl. I was watching that at home going... Think of all the things I can say because no one can hear me on a podcast. <laughs>
6: well, actually, during Rock and Roll Girl, you were safe, too. What?
4: Oh, man. You've been safe since
3: um, uh, Christmas. Well, I hope she uh, goes blank and calls my number. <laughs> yeah, hey, I just let my mind go blank. What do you mean, let it? How do you stop it? <laughs> yeah, Heather looks good. Uh, that's all I'm allowed to say. Here we are,
0: my dear. May I say that's a lovely dress. So light and airy.
1: Well, you should get a picture of me in it.
0: Oh, I will. I already bought the frame.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kelly looks hotter than anything. She walks in with Jeff. No, Rick. Oh, Rick. Oh, right. Uh, Well, he's the only one for her, so that's how I knew who that was.
1: Could you go get me some punch?
3: (laughs) So, she says that. And then walks five feet behind where they have both been standing for a few seconds, and then immediately walks in with Rick. You mean Jeff? Oh, Jeff, right. The guy with the black leather, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Kelly, thanks for meeting me tonight.
1: Why wouldn't I? You're the only one for me, Rick. Jeff. <laughs> right. Could you go get me some punch?
4: Which looks way more her type.
3: I was, well, I was going to ask both those questions. Who do you think fits better with her? And Jamie, who would you pick out of those two guys? I'll give you a minute to think. Jerry, who do you think? Jeff. Jeff is easily, I mean, he's wearing a leather jacket. The other guy looked like a dork. The other guy kind of looked like Zach Morris if he had brown hair. Well, he had blondish hair, but he just had that vibe of Zach if he were older or something. Mm. Yeah, historically, I think um, Jeff would have been the proper pick for Kelly, but I think she looked better with Rick. I think she looked better with Jerry.
6: Ha! <laughs>
3: it's never happened. So,
6: incidentally, I thought it would be funny if she came in with a third guy and then couldn't remember his name at all. <laughs>
3: like, <laughs> yeah.
6: Because she had only had the two names and transposed them both times. And then, like, if she brought in the third one and just like, I got nothing. But um I think the leather guy fits her. But I would have gone for the Zach Morris guy because, like right. I said, I had a thing for preppy guys back then. Yep. The movie The Firm was like porn for me. All those suits.
3: I've got to go take some notes, guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you said that one time to us. That's what you do how you describe the firm but that was on the skeleton crew I think you said it so yeah Rick is the uh, Zach Morris looking guy he was in a ton of stuff a ton men at work Ferris Bueller TV series Point Break great movie he was grommet I think he was a major guy in Point Break actually he was one of Bodie's guys
4: yeah he was in the sequel also sequel to what Point Break what do you mean Point Break 2
3: They made that? Uh, Yeah, look in the dude's IMDb. What? Yeah, I never heard of my favorite movie's sequel.
6: I never heard there was a sequel to that. Or not? Or not sequel?
3: The he was in the remake.
4: Oh, Oh. I'm sorry, not sequel, (laughs) remake.
3: Oh, was he? He did that? There he is, FBI department director. Sorry. Wow, he did the remake. That's wild, man. That's what it was. He was cool in Point Break. Not Point Break 2, Electric Boogaloo. He was shot in the throat in the bank. So he was in Sleepwalkers, Quantum Leap, O. Let's see. 94, 94, 94. All the, uh, Andy. Scared straight. Yeah, I don't know any of those episodes. I was a 95 guy. Unhappily Ever After, with Children's competition show, when the two creators split up.
4: Uh, he, he was in a movie, um called Urine Analyst. <clears throat> urine? Ur, you are, space. I thought he analyzed urine. Analyst. But the cover is a cartoon cover where a guy is clearly either zipping up his pants or
3: peeing in a cup. I can't tell. Oh, so I was right. It is a urine analyst. I guess he's yeah. the guy who gives people drug tests. That's weird. Oh, he
4: was in Sugar and Spice. That movie was hilarious. Not that
3: I would am- admit to pe- that to people. Well, it's too late now. I
4: think you just did. Hey, he's in Escape from L.A. Why do I remember Look, seeing that from this episode?
3: It's all on Wax now, man. So, yeah, he's cool. I like that guy. Um, And the other guy is his... Oh, I didn't, did we say his name?
6: Rax and Stacks are the best in Wax.
3: <laughs> I don't think we even said his name, but I already clicked off. So if you can get his real name, that'd be great.
4: Bo Jesse Chris. Bo Jesse Christopher.
3: That's his name. So the other guy, his name is... Uh, Joel J. Edwards, and he has done absolutely nothing. That was his first uh, role in this episode. Then he was in Flying Blind Voodoo, uh, Woman's Solitude, and he was a cop in this thing called Park. So how do you think Kelly could possibly logistically pull off going to a dance with two different guys. Like if Jeff is stupid enough to not realize she was just standing in the doorway with another guy, then walked over to him and just walked in with him. I I don't know what to tell you. That's unbelievable. So she sends one for punch, the other for punch. How long will it take the other one to get back? How is she going to get rid of the other one again? And she was seen dancing with both of them at some point.
6: Women are all liars and boys are all stupid. That's we're idiots. That's the
4: explanation. Yeah. Oh, my God. The guy who's just credited as guy, I know this kind of completely off, guy number two, he was also in Beverly Hills 90210.
2: Wow.
3: He was Herbert Little in four episodes in 1992. Look at all the crossovers, even from Tiffany Amber Thiessen going on both shows. I
6: remember Herbert.
3: Yeah? He was also a dancer in Moonwalker. That's weird, this whole 90210 connection with this episode.
6: That's the guy in the tragic pants in the hallway that makes fun of Bud. The white guy? No, the other one. Um, Oh, okay. Herbert, he was in that episode. There were episodes where the popcorn magnate. I don't know if you'll remember these, Alex, but there was a black family that moved into the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, the
3: popcorn family. I remember that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
6: and then Brandon was all into the daughter.
3: And they they had a car accident or something like that? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
6: That Herbert was her little brother, I think.
3: Wow, look at that.
6: He was also uh, Steve's freshman buddy, or I think that was the same character. It might not have been. (laughs) Sure, before you
2: marry him, all women like football. But as soon as you say I do, they put on 40 pounds, and the only hike you'll see is them hiking up their pants before they weld their butts to the sofa for the rest of their worthless lives. I work for a living.
5: Could I trouble you for a light?
3: Could I trouble you for a light? Is she hoping that like one of them like thinks she's hot and ask her to go head out to the parking lot with him or something? Like why? What is she trying to bait with this?
6: I don't know, because that's creepy, because they're high school boys. Unless... Well, this is the homecoming. Well, this this is the homecoming dance, so they could be guys coming back from college or whatever, theoretically.
3: But what is her goal with that? Is it to hook up? Like, how could...
6: I guess, or maybe just Maybe to, she just wants the attention. attention, yeah. You know? I mean, there was a statistic, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but basically, if a guy... If a guy lights your cigarette, then your, um, your attraction level goes up by, uh, like, a giant percentage or something like that.
4: There's another statistic that says if she smokes, she
3: pokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve likes it when Marcy smokes and looks like trash. So maybe that's what they're going for here.
5: Hi there. I'm Blum.
3: And I have no idea what he said for 20 years. (laughs) And I finally, Uh, doing this show, looked at the IMDb, because I could care, you know, I would never look at that to figure out what he's talking about. And his name is Mr. Blum. Oh.
6: So he actually was just saying Blum.
3: (laughs) I'm Blum. And I was like, we're what? No one cares about names in
4: electrical shop. Electrical shop? What would you say to you and me
0: behind the bleachers?
5: It would never work out.
4: There's a light back there. I could see you. (laughs) Here's my question. Did he try this because he just is super overconfident, or did he try it because of how trashy she looks?
3: I I would wonder why she keeps doing what she's doing with these guys. And I would think that she's just trying to to hook up. I would just think uh, that, oh, she's on the...
6: She's on the prowl. Let me get in on that.
3: Yeah. Oh, by the way, we didn't mention um Rick uh, earlier, the uh, the dude from Point Break. He was in Fair Exchange, the episode with Yvette. Oh, was he? Yeah, and his name was Rick again, but he was uncredited.
4: Look at that continuity. Continuity
3: continuity. No, no. Let's do your own thing, man. (laughs) I just make up words. I thought you were trying to be cool. Like, look at that continuity. (laughs) So, uh...
6: Well, then I think you said continuity.
3: Yeah, while I was (laughs)
4: gone, i have been picking up bad habits. Yeah, because you never
3: used to screw up words on this show.
4: Nope, (laughs) never. Not me. Never made a a a mistake on
6: this
3: show ever. That's a
6: job on a porn set, is... The continuity person. They make sure that everyone's nakedness is aligned.
3: Yeah. Whoa, 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 what are you doing with that shirt on?
6: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No no. Nipple was over there.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You pulled your left nipple out, not your right one. Come on. Bud and Heather are dancing. Now this is a big scene. This is why you hire such talents as Tiffany Amber Thiessen.
1: You know, I'm really sorry about what I did to you in the sixth grade. Did
0: you do something to me in the sixth grade?
1: Yeah. You know, you underwear up the flagpole?
0: Was that you? I totally forgotten.
1: Anyway, I was cruel to you. I'm really sorry. And
3: leans in and makes out with him. Now that was melting. It melted me tonight. When I watched it. Now imagine what that did to me. When I was 13 years old watching this. Exactly what it did to me. It did to Bud's character. And you could see that in his eyes. When he looks back at her. That delivery of that one line. Is what. Why you hire true talent. And don't just get like a good looking girl. Okay do you want, we'll play the girlfriend. For this episode. Like you get people like Tiffany Amber Thiessen. For a simple conveying of such like you believed it to the point where when Kelly f- later on convinces him no 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 she's lying you almost feel bad and you're like no dude she really is sorry don't mess this up and you think it's going to go a whole different <laughs> way you know
6: you think that because you're a guy and you're all idiots
3: That's- well, I pretty <laughs> much I'm. Mean, she's right I'm an idiot I'm sitting here believing this
6: <laughs> when I'm over here the whole time going, she's a lying bot. Get out of there.
3: <laughs> yeah, you didn't totally believe every word out of her mouth just then. Of course not. Come on. No. Okay. We've
6: already established, I- one, we've already established that girls are liars and men are idiots. So, I mean, where, where did you think this was going?
4: I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I thought she was being honest. Yes. I thought, here's but here's the thing. I thought the story was going to go. He was going to feel bad, talk to Kelly about calling it off. Kelly was going to convince him not to call it off. He was going to do it and then learn that he blew his chance with the hottest chick ever. Right. That is where I thought the story was going.
3: hmm
6: I think it's all summed up so, when we first meet her. The very first time we meet her, and she's like, isn't he a dream? And then she walks off, and Kelly goes, how did you do that? Right. Because even Kelly doesn't believe it. She's not buying it. I didn't buy it. I was like, no way. Uh, no way is that chick all into Bud and calling him. Now, I thought Bud was adorable at the time. However.
3: You know the character.
6: The char- Exactly. The joke of his character is that he. He's not cool. He can't get chicks. You know, not those chicks anyway. Well, she so, turned a leaf. She's Kelly.
4: She would not do this. I mean, not blonde Kelly. I'm talking Saved by the Bell Kelly. She would never treat someone like this. I was convinced that she would be a good person and Bud would screw this up because of Saved exactly by the Bell. Why it,
6: the casting that's exactly of her was fantastic. It yeah, it was. But that's exactly why it works. That's why the dynamic of men and women has <laughs> continued for so many years because is it. You, is that how you work?
4: You get people on podcast? Yeah. I only came back because Jamie was on. Alex was like, do you want to come back on? And I'm like, no. And he was like, Jamie's on. Well, okay, sure.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Then he was like, are you still there? I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, Jamie's on. So, yeah.
4: I was hoping you were going to say, I'm still on there, but I no longer talk. I just do the editing.
3: (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, please, if I ever left the position of producer on this show, this podcast would surely begin to decline and spiral down in flames. So don't underappreciate my efforts. My production is the glue that holds this together.
8: Excuse me?
1: You're the only one for me. What are you doing? Can't you see that I was working?
0: So I'm thinking about calling it off. I mean, she's sorry, she me and she really
3: likes me now. She told me so.
1: Bud, don't be a sucker your whole life.
3: It was cool that Kelly even, like, let Bud interrupt her with the guy, even though she was like, can't you see I'm working here? And Did you see uh, Jeff's face when, <laughs> when she said that? He, he had that look like, oh.
4: I like the fact that she turned around and, and thought it was another guy she was supposed to be at the dance with.
1: Let me tell you something about men and women. We're liars, and you're all idiots. Watch. I really like you.
4: Really? Hey, everybody. Kelly likes me.
1: Can I have your watch?
4: Oh. Well, it's my dad's. But sure. Her whole skit right here is fantastic, and uh, the, the line that Jamie opened with is the greatest joke i have ever i thought that was the
3: the most clever written witty thing that they could ever write for kelly to say kelly is so supportive at this moment you know she's trying to talk some sense into bud she could see that she knows that she has bud hook line and sinker and she has to really show him no seriously you, you're all idiots watch and she even puts on a demonstration <laughs> Wait till the guy's here. Hey, she likes me. And then he walks away. Hey, guys, Kelly likes me. Like, why would you do that and walk away? I'd be like, so uh, where are we going with this? Instead, he he goes back to his friends, but he, that's really near, neither here nor there. Kelly takes the watch, chucks it, throws it in the punch bowl just to show that she could care less about his watch or any of that. She just wanted to show Bud. <laughs> The prostitution rests. The prostitution rest. She Like, saying the prostitution rests is obviously uh, the prosecution, but do, is Kelly, is she witty enough to say that? Because what she did is, like, a form of prostitution or whatever, you know, in a joking way? Or... Does she really think she's saying the prosecution rests? And she's trying to. Yeah, she's just. She's dumb.
6: She's just (laughs) saying stuff. Um, And that goes along with uh, earlier in that, when they were kind of slinging, when they were slinging insults back and forth at each other, another one of my favorite lines was Hush, hush, sweet harlot.
3: What's that from,
6: though? Uh, That's a play on Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte.
3: And that's what?
6: It was a horror film.
3: Oh, wow. Speaking of horror
4: films. When uh, the guy was like, Kelly likes me. I thought it was going to be like that joke in Scary Movie when he's like, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, that's my girlfriend, too. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: It was like, Kelly likes everybody, dude.
3: <laughs> the line, um, it was kind of hard to take, but I guess you got to give it to Kelly when Bud says, so what you're saying is she really doesn't like me. And she's like, how could she? <laughs> that's like really rough. But
6: it is. But she's trying to protect her brother.
3: Yeah. And he took it like a man. And he goes, all right, tonight, 10 o'clock, the curtain goes up on Heather McCoy. And they had this moment where they give each other like a high five, handshake, hand grab thing, you know?
4: Oh my God, the curtain goes, oh, foreshadowing. I did not notice that.
2: Oh, wow. And you want to talk flying wedge? Let's talk about my (laughs) mother-in-law. People overuse the phrase as big as the earth, but kids, try to picture everyone you've ever known under one moo moo. (laughs)
3: Al has been uh, droning on throughout the entire night on the microphone. Like, no one seems to be bothered or even paying attention for that matter. Uh, You can still hear music going on lightly in the background. And real quick about that, it is a tie-in to 90210, so it's odd that I would even have this to say. And it occurred to me on this episode even without the 90210 tie-in, so this is kind of weird, so I better say it. I noticed that the music for this entire show, all the music is intact. Like, anything they ever played on any episode is still there. Like, when they went out to eat and they played Moon River, or when that band was on, the Gutter Cats, and, you know, when anything, anything with music that happens is on. Even, like, when Al and Steve are looking for Marcy's doll and that uh, You Belong to the City is on, everything is intact. One of the biggest problems with Nine Hundred Two and 90210 is that when they released all of the seasons on DVD, for some reason, they couldn't get the rights to anything musically. And I'm even talking music cues, like when there's a big scene and they're playing like a... Even that's not there. Someone – they had to go, and they had to have people go in and put all of this music back in, but it's all different, and it sounds atrocious. Yeah. You notice that? Oh, my God. Like, even, like, there was a big scene in the first four seasons where they play Stand By Me or something like that when Kelly and – Dylan or looking at each other and Emily Valentine's there or something, this whole thing. And it, everybody knows that that song is like kind of a big scene of the show, but instead it's like replaced by some generic, like acoustic guitar strumming of something. And like, there are just some iconic scenes of that show where music is really important. It sets tones that are really important and it's all gone. When I bought a couple of these, I realized that and I was like, I'm not buying this anywhere. This sounds god-awful. And I had to go online and find someone else who realized this, and they pulled, apparently when they air these on television, though, they're allowed to keep all that original music in. So they just recorded all of these things from their DVRs or whatever, put them on DVD, and sold them online.
4: I believe it. I I have a bootleg copy of uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 that's got the proper music on it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, DVD release doesn't. Of course, the upcoming Scream Factory one they're coming out with has the properties on it. But for a while, you you couldn't you couldn't get it like that. Right. Um, and that that happens every once in a while when they take something and and transfer it to DVD or Blu-ray, they have to redo a bunch of stuff. Um, that's why we don't get a lot of Star Trek uh, certain right. Star Trek series from the '90s. We don't get them on Blu-ray because they said we would have to redo all the special effects. Because we can't transfer them over because it just like something with the process will make them not come out. So there's a lot of times you have to be careful when you're buying DVDs, which you should head to the Married with Children podcast YouTube page where you can see full DVD reviews of uh, the Mill Creek box set and the Sony
6: box sets. Mm -hmm. That's why we will never get, sadly, Werewolf on Blu ray or dvd the tv show i was reading about that the other day and i was because i've
4: never seen it and now i'm trying to like hunt down like a bootleg
6: yeah i mean i used to love that show and it the very first episode the pilot episode had a song and i believe it was mike and the mechanics was it is that right i've never
4: seen it i've been trying to i I gotta find it somewhere no she's asking brian
6: and I believe it was Mike and the Mechanics that they used a song in the pilot episode. But the problem is it was recorded, like, synced in with the audio. So they cannot separate it. Even though they And so they can't get the rights to the music. But because it is mixed in with the spoken on. They don't audio,
3: have the raw file.
6: Exactly. They can't separate the two. So they can't just take out the music and put out the the episode without it so the whole thing is stranded because <laughs> they recorded it stupidly i guess um, wow or they didn't keep the original raw file which by the way i always do
3: i never <laughs> do i have so many shows i do so much production on i have no use for anything
6: until i am 100 percent sure that i don't need it anymore for anything mm. then i'll get rid of it
4: there's a lost uh segment from an early Married with Children episode where I asked a very uh, vulgar thing. And it was uh, and like, I, I thought Alex was saving everything. So at one point I was like, Alex, you need to uh, find that clip and let's put it out on Patreon. Because it's hilarious, but it's a little too vulgar. And he was like, oh, I don't have that. And I cried for like five days.
6: Aww. And from
3: there on, though, we began Yeah. from from I think from the episode where Steve and Al were going to rob their bank or whatever. Um, from there on, anything that is really hilarious but not really fitting for the actual just program of, of hours, I save all that into s- separate folders. I probably have like 30 files now from all 70-something shows. And one day those will all be released as a Patreon exclusive, maybe like a hour-long show or whatever. But like all the stuff that was taken out, we could talk about why and how funny it was or whatever. All good, though. Definitely, uh, some entertainment value. So I was saying, the music could still be heard in the background of Al doing his speech and stuff, and all that music. Um, it just it just marries and fits so well with the real episode, so everything feels so authentic, and that's why I'm so glad it's all there and intact. And that's something I noticed during this scene. So Al starts even talking about Peg's mother on stage, <laughs> like he is just he will not shut up. So. Marcy's dancing with another woman. We talked about that. So she seems really pathetic. So this guy tries hitting on Peg again. But you don't know what I got in my pocket.
5: (laughs) The rest of your belly.
4: (laughs) I was really sad that she did not say, what, a
3: life? (laughs) A life? Yeah. Because he'd have
6: a pocket full of life
3: oh my god wow nope the key to the teacher's lounge so what say to you
0: me and a whole lot of carpet
3: (laughs) we touched on it earlier that guy's name is Mike Scribba he's been in a lot of things but I don't think anyone cares oddly enough yes he was on 90210 uh, oh we
4: forgot to talk about uh, the dude who plays the nerd
3: I, I wanted to, but I don't know if I have. Is he Brian Sapphire?
4: He's uh, Stephen Sprung. Oh. Okay. Um, he's not done a lot of acting roles, but he apparently is a very big film editor. He uh, edited Santa Clarita Diet. He edited Star Trek Beyond. He edited – what was another big one he did? Uh, Men at Work, Community, Entourage – I mean, he's been editing since 1989. He Arrested Development, Andy Richter, Controls the Universe, The Tick. He's been, he's been, edit- Clueless, the TV show. Did he edit now 2 two one oh? No, I looked, because I was like, wouldn't that be funny? In fact, he edited a Playboy video, so
3: I was like, oh, it's Playboy. Let me go see if Terry's in it, but she wasn't. Ah, wow, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he did good on this. I mean, he was just, you know, a couple lines, but I liked him. He was cool, yeah. So this other guy, though, the creepy guy, is hitting on Peg. He's on a he has ninety four credits, and he is still working as up to uh, two thousand sixteen, and he doesn't seem to be dead. He it just he's just not doing any more work. So yeah, he was on nine oh two and zero though, so that's funny. So um, Al, you know, sees what's going on. He comes over and clobbers him with the microphone.
2: <laughs> well, I can't say that football is a metaphor for every aspect of life. There are similarities. <laughs> <laughs> My wedding night, for example.
6: I mean, he doesn't even break stride either. He just walks over there, clocks him on the head, walks back over. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's like a subtle little, you know, I see what's going on over here kind of thing. And I don't know, I like that. I think it's, I think it's sweet. It's endearing. And I guess some people could look at that and say, you know, it was very Neanderthalish of him because, you know, she could have just been having a conversation with a guy and what's that all about? And why is he being so possessive? I, on the other hand, think, aw.
3: (laughs) Yeah. This is all, like, a great night. Like, I love the entire atmosphere of everything that's going on in this episode. Little things like that. Al talking in the background is great. (laughs) The whole night. I don't care. Uh, Shoes. No kind of life for a man. (laughs) Like, wow. He is just getting it all out there. Like, why does he have to vent to all these poor kids?
2: Shoes. No kind of life for a man.
8: <laughs> now, for some married with children, words of
2: wisdom. Press button A for Eastern philosophy. <laughs> Press B for last night's basketball score. <laughs> Press C if you like your own personalized videotape of you pressing C. (laughs) You have pressed
3: A. Heavy Eastern philosophy.
1: Dumb.
2: Stupid. Stupid.
1: Crazy. Dangerous.
2: Stinks. (laughs) In one word, would I use dope? Nope. These kids
3: are right. Drugs will hurt your mind, your body, and your life Hi, I'm Brandon Tartikoff, chairman of NBC Entertainment And I've got a hit idea for the new fall season Don't do drugs There's no hope with dope
1: You know, I'm really glad I came here with you tonight You're so decent, a gentleman
0: Wearing deodorant, too Want to (laughs) smell?
1: That's all right Let's go someplace, okay?
3: In a minute. Because <laughs> they're standing right over the grate, which is a, like we said, plastic mat on a floor with squares cut into it.
1: I know. I owe you a skinny dip. What do you say?
3: <laughs> An- Let's go. Bud crumbles and heads out with Heather to the school's pool just like that. Now, how disappointed were you guys? Especially Jamie, you had to be. Because Jerry's still wondering if this is really happening. And you aren't buying it. So what are you thinking right now? Bud, you're an idiot?
6: Yeah, well, yes. I was disappointed, but at the same time, I kind of saw it coming because they're just i had a few, he's going to botch it you know um it's the bundy way i also remember this episode so to be to be totally transparent yeah this is this when we get to it the kelly at the end is one of my favorite kelly moments of all time
3: in history yep
6: she is so just i don't know badass
3: yeah she looks so bad even the way she struts over and struts yeah. back yeah it's perfect Oh, yeah, This is a big episode for, like, iconic or badass or amazing delivery in lines with, with Marcy, with Tiffany, with Kelly. Like, everyone is just unbelievable. Marcy just drifts over right to the perfect spot. Of course. <laughs> Why? Because of course she does. Right in time for 10 p.m. says, what do I have? And not only is that a, a bizarre coincidence, but she even says... Right before this thing kicks in, what do I have to do to get someone to notice me? And then whoosh, not ba whoosh, but just whoosh, Marilyn Monroe time. Her skirt goes straight up. Everyone's looking at Marcy's legs and her underwear. Al's cringing. Yeah, cringes, trying to like shield himself like he's looking like a vampire in sunlight. <laughs> Um, everyone's laughing. Marcy's apparently paralyzed with embarrassment because she just stands there and, you know, doesn't jump off immediately like a normal person would.
6: Maybe she likes the
3: breeze. (laughs) I would jump off just because out of like, whoa, what was that? Even with the embarrassment, she still stays there. That's the most action she's gotten in a while. It really is. No one else was lifting that skirt in a while. Yeah, the best part of her life is, is in the past now, so... She doesn't have much to look for.
4: Oh, uh, look at you. So it's all downhill <laughs> after Steve, huh? All downhill. Wow. She'll so soon be hosting parties for fat angry women and forcing people to dress up in
3: y- leathery. And... <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's gonna be doing a lot. Yeah, as this happens, you could see it would have been pretty embarrassing for Heather McCoy. Now
2: the moment you've all been waiting for. The recount of my last game at Polk High. (laughs) It was a frosty evening in November.
5: (laughs) Hi, my name is Peggy uh, Smith. (laughs) And I, like you, can't take this anymore. (laughs) So now I would like to introduce this year's MVP.
3: (laughs) So the curtain goes back. Heather did it again. Bud's underwear is on a rope being pulled up while he's jumping up and down trying to grab them. Heather starts a cheer. Bundy, Bundy, Bundy. Al never turned around so he has no idea what's happening and starts posing to the cheers. Bundy,
8: Bundy, 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 Bundy.
3: Peg is also completely clueless. She never turned around. So she's doing, she's just standing there, not, not even wondering why they're cheering Bundy instead of the MVP, who, who the actual MVP is asleep in a chair amidst all this chaos. Because when Al just kept going on and on, the guy just passed out and fell asleep.
4: I was wondering why there was a guy asleep in a chair. I didn't even put that together.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, Kelly got Bud's underwear back. He was hiding behind a plant for some reason. I don't, I don't know what that was, but...
1: Bud, you can come out now. I have a present for you.
0: <sighs> Thanks, Kelly. can't believe she did this to me again. How am I going to show my face in school?
1: Like you always do. From behind a wall of clear silk. <laughs>
3: Oh, the acne jokes. I don't know if anybody still uses that or what that is. That's obviously a zit cream. And I got to tell you, it never worked, by the way. I don't know how ClearCell became like the iconic acne medicine of the world. It never worked.
4: I've never used any kind of acne medicine, so I have no idea.
3: I've never had like bad enough acne that I've had to. Yeah, I had really bad acne. I thought my life was going to be in shambles uh age 18 and 19 my entire side of my face like my cheeks were covered in zits and i'll say there was at least 10 on each side there was always like three on my forehead um like one or two on my chin and i was like what is happening to me
4: did Jin make fun of you a lot
3: oh dude it was a nightmare from hell and this is when I was starting to work in the real workforce. So I I got into the real world as a total loser because of these the zits all over my face.
4: Did you ever catch Jin, like, reusing Kelly lines on you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she did. Or they were very similar to Kelly's. Our relationship was not much different than Bud and Kelly at all. So, and we even had the same, like, um... The same. That's why I say like when I when they bond and they bond through this kind of non wholesome stuff. It was just like me and her. It was like I was literally my life was basically a TV show. That's why she said when you when you walk into a room, do you hear like an audience start cheering? (laughs) (laughs) Because she said your life is like a television show. You do realize that. So, uh, yeah, it was just a nightmare, though. But, yeah, so I've, I always felt for Bud when I heard those jokes. Uh, even though we did mention, uh, much like Steve and the bald episode, Bud never really had any zits. So it was always weird to hear Kelly make those jokes, because I guess you're just supposed to believe they're there somewhere. I don't know.
0: Aw, uh, gee, thanks, sis. I'm so glad to know that when I'm feeling low, you're always there to make me feel like ooze. <laughs>
1: don't chill out, you little toadstool. Believe me, tomorrow at school, nobody's going to be talking about you.
3: So that means that she does care. And she is there for him in in this whole non-wholesome way. What do you mean?
1: Just come to school early and bring a camera. Trust me, Heather and I had a little chat out in the hall, and we worked things out like ladies.
3: Were you thinking like you were just going to see Heather laying in a, on her face with blood in a puddle or something?
6: Yeah or she would
4: have like a black eye or something.
6: I actually pictured her I, I, mean, I don't know maybe I've been watching too many weird things or whatever but I was picturing her picturing her gagged with hanging with her hands above her head like hanging from both of her wrists in a locker. <laughs> Spe- that oh was very God. that was very specific, but either that I was thinking either locker or shower. Like she was going to be hanging in the girls' shower.
3: Nice, nude, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, good.
6: <laughs> or I was like, I guess, brawn panties is what I was picturing specifically.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Heather was bound to that bizarre island of lockers in the middle of the hallway with a pink towel wrapped around her. A rope attached to the towel, Buck at the end of the rope, and a sign that said, don't mess with a Bundy. So go ahead, Jamie. What happens to wrap up this episode?
6: (laughs) Kelly tells Bud to come to school early with a camera the next morning. And then we, of course, see her hanging there. Then it cuts to next morning. You see Kelly... Strut in from the side, like into the hall, just look at all badass. And she leaned, she squats down and says, Come on, Buck, come on, boy. And then the bell rings.
3: She comes, laughs and walks away.
6: Yeah, and then she just gets up and like strolls away again, very badass. I just, I, she's so cool in that moment.
3: Yep. <laughs>
6: Buck, come here, boy. Come here, boy. Um and then here comes Buck dragging a towel. And which I think for at first I was like, why even bother with a towel? Why not just leave her strapped up there naked all night? You know, why make Buck sit there all night long?
3: because the anticipation of the nudity
6: and then her calling him and then him running and then you see that you get the visual of the towel which sort of helps you Ugh. envision her without it so i i think that really does work uh, very
3: well it's perfectly directed think about all that's going on like you said you see her with the towel you see her call buck Right there, you're grinning because you remember his mouth is attached to the towel. So when he comes, that will go with him. So that's already part of the payoff. Then he goes, and as you see him, the bell rings. And then you're like, oh boy, school just started. The towel's off. He's going. Then the students come in and just look at Buck and wonder why there's a dog running down the hallway with a towel, and they freeze it right there. Because you know... That once they're done looking at Buck, they're gonna lift their heads and look forward, and that is where Heather is, completely naked. It's just the perfect execution for everything.
4: Yeah, I gotta say, the the this, the ending shot of Kelly looks fantastic. Like like Kelly is just so smooth and calm, and when she calls Buck, she sounds so sweet. You know, but she's yeah, doing this yeah. like horrible thing to this girl nah. and and just so cool about it. And the way it's shot is like she's she doesn't come exactly to the middle of the frame. She's still to the side. It's a little far away.
3: Yeah, I, lo- I love the distance of it, too. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's such a good shot. It allows Buck to come in just properly. The only thing that doesn't make sense to me is normally when you have a school bell ring and people fill into a hallway. Mm. That is them leaving a classroom, not...
6: Mm. Unless, well, now we would get to school early and we would go to the library or go to the gym or go to the cafeteria, and then when the bell rang, then we would go to home. Uh, actually, we didn't have homeroom first. We had first period and then homeroom. But um, Okay, yeah, I guess that's a good point. They could have done that. So they could have been gathered in the library or the cafeteria or the gymnasium or whatever. Actually, we know it wasn't the gym because that was off to the left. So,
8: hmm.
6: um, But either way... Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think just for it works for their purposes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll
3: buy it.
7: I'll
6: I'll buy it.
3: Yep. Amazing, amazing, amazing ending. We'll be right back to rate this episode.
7: No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at MarriedWChildrenPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Jerry, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode.
3: All right, guys. As usual, we give a shout-out to new patrons of our show, the guys who love us and support us the most. So, Gabriel Davis, thank you so much, man. Hope you enjoy the new Steve special we just released a couple episodes ago. And all the little uh, extras along the way, we're going to be releasing a Tang Wipe and Tang Witch video pretty soon. And this summer, it is summer now, guys. It is June 27th today, so it is officially summer. And we will be releasing our Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead review uh, exclusively for Patreon very soon. I would say within within a month. I'm going to give it. I want to throw a Tang Wipe video in there first. All right, Jamie, uh, we just got done reviewing. What goes around came around. Uh, How many dates are you bringing to the homecoming dance for this episode out of five?
6: I am bringing five dates to the homecoming dance.
3: It's a lot of punch you're going to be drinking.
6: I know, Jeff and Rick and you and you and you. (laughs)
3: <laughs> all right, I'm that in there.
6: That guy, that guy, that guy. Oh, and- <laughs> Third thing. Okay. And this, uh, apart from having a really fantastic guest star and having some really funny Marcy moments, I just think it's a fun story. And but we all know, we all know how I feel about Kelly, and we all know how I feel about when the Bundys come together. And the fact that she did this to take up for her brother is huge. So, uh, and we get like one of her most badass moments of all time. So right on the back of Rock and Roll Girl, how about that? I mean.
3: Wow, she's kicking ass.
6: She is kicking ass this season. So, uh, yeah, this is easily a five homecoming date episode for me.
3: Oh, yeah. How about you, Jerry? How many dates are you bringing to the homecoming dance tonight?
4: You know, you might think me a little trampy. But I'm also bringing five and they all have their inner Steve because we know like one, this episode is so well paced. The downtime in this episode is always like there is little bits of downtime, but it's always right before something big happens. And it's more just to set up the scenery so you get a look at where you're at, which I really appreciate because we have a lot of new sets in this episode.
3: Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you talked about how it looked different than the last time we were in the school, but right. But we didn't talk about the gymnasium. Were you guys did, did you guys buy that that was a real gymnasium? Or they did? They did shoot just like the to one area to the left all the time. There was not a sense. I of size. buy
4: everything except for the great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this episode is great. So tons of laughs. I love that the focus on the characters was shared equally. Everybody, including Buck, got time in this episode. Um, You get good Marcy jokes, you get good Al jokes, you get good Peggy jokes. And Bud and Kelly are at their top levels in this episode, especially Kelly. This is an episode where, at the end of the episode, Kelly shines so fancy. Like, this is, like, I'm sure for the season wrap-up show... This will be an episode that's quoted as a favorite Kelly moment. It's that iconic. And any episode we get uh, the football reference for his four touchdowns is epic.
6: You know, another thing that I love about episodes like this or or scenes like this with Kelly is I think she's adorable when she does, when she's stupid, you know, uh, when she does the Bundy bounce or when she, you know, she's just she says stupid things like the prostitution rest, you know, I think she's adorable. That's Kelly. I love her. But it's moments like these at the end of this episode where she doesn't seem stupid at all. She is like brilliant. She and shows her street smart. Exactly. And that gives her cred, you know? So it, I, that's another, that's another reason I appreciate moments like that is because, you know, she, might not be able to count to twelve, but she has. To, but she gets her credit in other areas. So yeah, I, she
4: knows how to hijack a bus. She knows how to write inappropriate stuff on the <laughs> side of a bus.
3: <laughs> I too am bringing five dates to the homecoming dance. This is a hall of famer for sure. Um, this was just amazing. Always has been. Always will be. It aged great. You know, we're here. We are. Look how many years later, and. It doesn't miss a beat. Nothing. Nothing about it is not as epic as it was when I was a kid. It's funny because you you – oh, yeah. Well, first let me get to the Kelly thing that you guys are mentioning. Yeah, it does show a different side of Kelly because it shows that she really does have true street cred because if she didn't – think of like a normal girl, how they'd react. If they weren't a badass like Kelly, they would just be like, well – But you should probably go to the principal and tell him what she did to you. She can't get away with this. You should definitely report her. And think of the difference of a person like that compared to Kelly.
4: Kelly's such a badass, she left the fact that a Bundy did it as evidence. Right.
3: Like, that's the ultimate in it. Like, that sign cap everything encapsulates everything this was just perfection everything about it is why you love Kelly and what she represents what she is what she continues to be you know and it, and like you said yeah it's funny when she's dumb but nothing is as cool as being badass you know in rock and roll Girl, she was kind of both a little more dumb than badass but still badass but this was just straight up. And it was great because, like, her thinking she could balance two dates at once is kind of dumb. But it's still not.
6: Well, and that's the one thing she knows how to do.
3: <laughs> yeah.
6: Really well. Is She knows men. And she knows how to work in.
3: Yeah, you didn't see two guys fighting at any point, you know? She worked it out. She made it work. I don't know how. I saw her dancing with each one of them at one point of the episode in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, she could make it work. Peg in this episode is fine. A little weird and trashy, but fine. Uh, Al is just great as always with the whole background thing, rambling on. Marcy killed it with that whole opening thing. How's she doing? She's doing fine. You know, just so corny and so perfect to get the reactions of people who could care less what you're talking about. Um, just really, uh, I love it. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, perfect casting choice. She's a legendary, iconic person in my life and a little bit of trivia of my loserish side she was the first celebrity or whatever you want to call them that I ever tried to contact back when I guess when the internet first started or something in like 97 or 98 somehow I looked something up on her and I found like a fan I'm not I never wrote fan letters to anybody but I had to write one to her and, like, she was the first one I ever wrote something to, and she actually sent me back something, and it was a picture of her, like, autographed. And, like, to me, that was, like, Aww. the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, I was, like, uh, 18 years old, and she was still, like, a crush to me, as, even as if I was, like, 16 or 15 or whatever. It didn't, it didn't stop, you know? <clears throat> so, like, yeah, it's just great, perfect person to be on this. I'm so glad we got a little hint of Valerie in this episode to see her in that in that way instead of just uh kelly kapowski great episode guys great time talking about it make sure you tune in next week as we review uh peggy turns 300 al's big plan to take peg out to the bowling alley for her birthday strikes out when she breaks the bowl rama's record instead of him what what how? She was terrible at bowling. We'll have to tune in and find out. Oh, I've got to find out now.